Hey, good morning. It is Friday. Welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt. Hey. Uh, using the uh, iPhone as the webcam today. I uh, love iOS 16's new beta. It's connecting. It's using the, the iPhone as a webcam and uh, it's super darn good quality. So today we're going to dig in to some scripture. We're going to wrestle with, uh, with the conversation about communion, the Last Supper, uh, and what communion is really all about. So it's interesting. Um, growing up, I didn't really know a whole lot about anything to be honest and if i'm really being honest i mean i'm still a regular dude wrestling through stuff uh so um one of the things that's uh it's always been an interesting point of conversation for me is the uh ritual of communion right like what it represents and and all the different ways that people celebrate it so for example um we see the catholic church um believing in something called transubstantiation they truly believe that uh or at least this is what they teach, is that um, that in this ritual, in this moment, uh, you know, they're like, body of Christ, blood of Christ. They really believe that the cracker that uh, the priest shoves in your face hole uh, is literally the flesh of Christ Jesus, uh, and that's what it becomes when you ingest it, and that the wine, you know, uh, transforms into the blood of Christ when you ingest it. Um, when when Jesus talked about it at the and when he when he had made comments about you know drinking his blood and eating his flesh, it, even the folks that were following him were like, "What is he talking about here?" It sounded a little scary to them, right? They're like, "What does he mean? He is flesh, drink his blood." It's like, I imagine that Jesus' use of metaphors probably freaked him out a little. Well, today in many churches, most churches, uh, communion is celebrated, right? Uh, I know at our church, like you know, we we start you know, at the beginning of the month and we do communion and it's like, you know, you peel back the little lid on the plastic cup and there's this little styrofoam cracker, uh, rice cracker or whatever. And then you peel back the juice and then we typically read from Corinthians or, or, or Matthew where we talk about the Last Supper and we do this in memory of Jesus. But how did Jesus celebrate communion and what did he say to do? And is there a wrong way to do this? So let me start by saying this, what I try and say at the beginning of every Bible study live, uh, and that is this. The whole point of this is to wrestle through the scripture and create some conversation without condemnation, right? I mean, the church should be a safe place to ask the questions, not to ask a load of questions to try and win an argument or prove a point, but a, a safe place to, to really wrestle with and study the scriptures and go, what does this mean? And why was it like this? And what did it mean to the people in the time that it was taking place? And what does it mean now on July 29th, 2022? Right? So this is a safe place. Now, we're not always going to agree on everything, but we're not going to argue about it. I won't even argue with you in the comments. If you think I'm nutty, you think I'm wrong, you think I'm crazy, feel free to drop it in the comments. It is okay. Heck, feel free to make up stuff about me. Doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm too old to care uh, about that. But what I will say is uh, I do love great dialogue. So um, I love wrestling with questions and different perspectives. So feel free to share them in the comments. And of course, if you like uh, what we're wrestling with and you, you enjoy this format, if you want to share it with your friends, that'd be cool too. So today we're going to look at uh, two pieces of scripture. We're going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, uh, or excuse me, chapter 26, verses 17 through 30. And we're going to read from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 23 to 34. So let's do this. Let's start with, let's start with Corinthians, and then we'll go back to the source, to Jesus himself. But let's take a peek at this uh, little interaction here in 1 Corinthians. So this is in Paul's letter to the church of Corinth. Okay, and uh, I'm reading from the message translation now, whether you're reading ESV, NLT, NIV, New King James, Cool, Groovy, those are all telling the same story, sort of like the Mormon Bible and the Jehovah Witness Bible, but they 
they got some stuff going on there that's maybe not quite hitting the mark. But the rest of the translations are are all they're telling the same story, uh, and they got the same ultimate end goal, right? One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. So anyhow, we're going to read from the message. I love this uh, translation. I think Eugene Peterson, who was a pastor of, I think, over 50 years, 40 years, um, he did an amazing job with this, he and the, he and the translators. So here we go. Uh, so this is Paul's letter to them. So he says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper. So pause before I read this. So here's Paul. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul the Apostle was Saul before he was Paul. Saul, of course. Saul, Saul was, uh, he was, uh, as he a self-proclaimed Pharisee of Pharisees. So he was um, basically a guy who was out killing Christians. He was like, hey, man, this Jesus guy's a heretic that everybody's talking about. These folks preaching Jesus are heretics. Uh, Let's go kill them all. Uh, right. He was like on a mission. And then, uh, if you know the story, he was on the road to Damascus and boom, he gets stricken blind, knocked off his horse, uh, has an encounter with Jesus himself, right? Jesus in the spirit, Jesus, boom. Hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul becomes a convert, right? He's stricken blind till he gets to this town where everybody's really afraid of him. And then scales fall off his eyes. He once was blind. Now he sees, right? So now Paul is on this mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles across, across the place, man. Paul's like on this mission to get out there and share the word of God. But, but he's also, you know, he also talks to people who aren't Gentiles too, right? Like Paul's like, Hey, look, I was one of you, like with all these conversations, but in this particular instance, he wrote this letter to the church of Corinth and he's trying to help them get some things back on track, help get some things in line, give them some encouragement, give them some instruction. So this is Paul in his letter trying to explain to them what goes on in the Lord's Supper, as we call it, and, and during the act of communion, like he's explaining this to them. So that's where we're picking up this story. So here we go. All right, let me go over with you. Uh, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it's so centrally important. I received instructions from the master himself and passed them on to you. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread, having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. The cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is part is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him in his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in holy awe. If you give no thought or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat, drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you even now are listless and sick and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. Better to be confronted by the master now than to face a fiery confrontation later. So my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and courteous with one another. If you're so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich. But by no means risk turning this meal into an eating and drinking binge or a family squabble. It's a spiritual meal, a love feast. The other things you asked about, I'll respond to in person when I make my next visit. Let's pause for a minute there. What is Paul talking about with this whole, like, um, 
you know, if you don't care, if you're doing it irreverently. And what is he talking about when he says, hey, if you're coming, if you, you know, if you're hungry, go home and get a sandwich first. Let, well, let's, let's talk about text and context and let's touch on a few really interesting things that uh, were taking place here. And by the way, I'm trying to pop, there we go, just in case you guys drop comments that way I can see them, hopefully, depending on the platform you're watching on. So a couple of things were going on. Um, first, let's, let's just talk about when Paul says this, every time you eat and drink, this bread, and every time you eat and drink this cup, you reenact in words and actions the death of the master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. So Paul's saying like every, he's trying to point out what Jesus said, right? Each time you do this, remember me. Each time you 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 eat this bread, remember me. Each time you drink from this cup, remember me. And we'll talk about a little bit of the context of that because as Jesus was doing this, he was sharing a meal with guys and having this conversation, right? They were breaking bread together. They were drinking wine together before Jesus was going to be taken away and crucified. So it's interesting to note, like we've turned it into a ritual that happens, but if once we look at Matthew, we'll see what was really taking place was a meal. They were just sharing a meal. But because of what took place that time, then there became a like a ritualistic remembrance, what we call communion, the Lord's Supper, of, hey, let's specifically set a time set aside time rather to break bread and drink from the cup so that we remember specifically so we don't take for granted what Jesus did for us right so we've taken the supper that he that he celebrated the night before and we've we've turned that into a a, a ritual that we do to remember what he then did the next day right the cup that he had to drink from and and it's interesting the cup reference here because Jesus even himself he prayed uh to God you know before before all this went down and he said look he was he was like if you can take this cup from me this cup this cup that I have to drink see the symbolism if you can take this cup from me <laughs> if there's any other way and he said but your will be done God Right? Jesus was saying, look, I, I don't want to drink this, man. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I, like Jesus obviously didn't want to go through the pain. He didn't want to go through the beating. He didn't want to go through being crucified. So he was like, hey, dad, if there's another way, if you can take this cup from my hand, please do. But if not, you know, I'm going to honor your will. Right? So then Jesus has this, this moment with the Talmudine, his closest, right? The, the, the 12, including Judas. So even the one that was going to betray him. <laughs> He has this moment with them where they're breaking bread, they're sharing a meal. And he's like, you know, every time you do this, remember me. So Paul is, is trying to help the church of Corinth understand that. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. When Paul says, look, if you do this irreverently, you're no better than the people that spit on him. Paul's saying, look, well, there's a couple ways that I wrestle with this. Okay. Uh, one is this. When Paul says, if you do this irreverently, you're like part of the crowd that jeered on him and spit on him. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives, test your heart. Come into this meal and holy all. So there are a few things. One, I know I've, I've heard some people say that like, you know, when at, at the church that they're, they've been part of, the place that they worship and attend, they've, they've heard like pastors give the speech, like if you're not right with God, you know, before you take communion, then they'll quote the different verse, right? Like if you got a problem with your brother, set, set aside your offering. Communion isn't your offering. It's a moment of remembrance, number one. But number two, um, some people feel like they're, they're guilted into like, look, if you're, if you're not perfect, don't break bread. Don't take communion. Well, if you watch the disciples, these cats weren't perfect. For God's sakes, moments after they broke bread, Peter chopped a, 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 one of the uh, Pharisees' guards, one of his ears off. He lops a guy's ear off. 
You, you want to call them perfect? They weren't supposed to be having, you know, weaponry amongst them, right? Jesus knew that they would, and it would fulfill prophecy, but these guys were supposed to be trusting in the Lord, and they weren't supposed to be out there trying to do battle with the religious leaders physically, and yet here's Peter lopping a guy's ear off, which Jesus is like, hey, stop, Jack, hold on, slaps the ear back on, gives it a holy, holy kiss, slaps the ear back in the guy's head, like, you know, boom, Jesus magic, ear healed. Oh, it's deeper than that. But I tell you this to understand, his followers were broken. They were broken people. For Pete's sake, Judas broke bread with him, and Judas was about to betray him and get him killed. So I want to point out something here, and that is, as Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, listen, this is a, a moment that it didn't, ah, it requires respect. He's not saying you have to be perfect to do this, but he's saying, remember, as you're doing this, remember what Jesus did for you. That should put us in a place of awe to go, the blessing that I have before me, this bread that I'm about to take, this meal that I'm about to take part in, it should remind me of what Jesus did for me. See, because this bread is provision. And what Jesus did was provide a way for me to not face the punishment that I deserve as, as a human being, right? Remember with awe and reverence what Jesus did when you break the bread, when you drink the wine. So Paul says to these guys, look, if you're doing this irreverently, if, you, if you're not recognizing the, the blessing of what Christ did for you, if you're just doing this as an empty ritual, you're no better than the people that disregarded him that day on the cross, the people that didn't think he was who he said he was. Because if we think Jesus is who he said he was, man, then when we're taking communion and we're remembering that, it's like, wow, wow, you are the son of God, the savior of the world. That's a big deal. Right, So Paul's trying to, in writing, help them understand how big of a deal it is. And he says, look, if you don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat or drink, then you run the risk of serious consequences. And he actually goes so far as to say, that's why so many of you are sick right now. That's why some of you have died off, man. Because you haven't been giving God his just due. You haven't been giving God the reverence that he deserves. And so why would he do for you? Like, yeah, that's the, what it, when Paul's writing this, he's saying, look, get it straightened out now. So you don't have to get straightened out later. When's later? Well, at the time of judgment, right? Like we don't want to be face to face with God and be like, Hey, I took you for granted. Sorry. Like God loves us, but man, I, I don't, I don't want to look the creator of the universe in the eye. I don't think I could look him in the eye, right? I don't want to be bowed down in front of Jesus who got nailed to a cross and be like, sorry, I blew you off. You weren't that important, right? Because that's really what we, Paul's trying to say is here. It's like, if you, don't, if you don't enter into this with that kind of understanding, this respect, this love of him, if you're just treating it like, meh, oh yeah, we got to do it. It's all right. It's communion day. How disrespectful is that? And one day, every knee will bow and we're all going to give an account who wants to give an account of, yeah, 90% of the time I was blowing you off because you really didn't matter to me more than, uh, you know, the news stories I had to read in the morning. God, oof, right? That sucked. And listen, we don't know what it's going to be like. And I don't know there's going to be some line with a punch card where God goes, so like, let me go list by list, right? It's like, poof, well, we step in, it's like, poof, all at once, we know it all, we feel it all, we, we like, boom, done, handled, like in a split second. I don't, we don't know. But in this letter, Paul's trying to communicate to them, would you please understand the importance of what this is that we're doing when we break bread? Now, he goes on, and this is, I think, really powerful, because he says this, so when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and courteous to one another. Isn't it weird that he's got to give an instruction like, hey, don't be rude. 
Why would he, why would he do that? Have you ever been at church and like, People are like pushing each other out of the way to get to the communion deal. Like, hey, look out, man. I got to get you the bread first. Let me get you the juice. No, I don't see that at church. I don't think you've ever seen that at church, right? That'd be weird. But so why would Paul say this? Well, because remember the culture that that, 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 that he's dealing with, you know, there in that time period, it wasn't, it was familiar that people would have feasts and sacrifices and ceremonies to celebrate the multitude of God's little G gods that they worshiped. And a lot of those celebrations uh, centered around food. So people were going there like to eat their fill gluttonous. Like there were even some rituals, some uh, Greco Roman rituals where some Roman rituals where they would like eat to the point of then they would vomit it out. Right. Like because they, they were eating in excess, these like raw meats and having weird orgies and they would eat to the point of sickness where they would vomit it out and then eat more. It, it's disgusting. So these type of things took place in the culture. So Paul's Paul's pointing out to him, he's like, look, it, it's not about hunger. <laughs> this isn't about being hungry. This root, this ritual that this this breaking of bread, this Lord's Supper, isn't about satiating your hunger. It's about remembering Christ. He says, so that's why, and I, I think it's 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 a hoot how the message says it. He says, so if you're so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich. Don't don't risk turning this meal into an eating or drinking binge or a family squabble. So Paul is trying to say, you know, think about what happens around the dinner table. It seems like what Paul is saying here is look, when you just sit down to a regular ordinary meal. You know, and you're having family discussions and, hey, let's have a family meeting and, and talk about, you know, what's going on during the week. Sometimes that stuff can turn into like squabbles and whatever. And he's saying, listen, there needs to be some time set aside here to remember what Jesus did for us. Like, Now, here's the interesting thing. Let's look at Jesus' own words in Matthew because I, I, I always have a, a really, I won't say it's, it's I, I don't know, maybe it's different than other people, but... My take with communion is when I look at what Jesus was doing, you know, we call it the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, right? Like the painting, is Jesus was having his last meal with his closest people around him. But it was a, it was a meal. Like they were sitting down to break bread together, to eat together, to share a meal. And during that meal time, Jesus shared some profound revelation with them, right? And, uh, and so to me, when I think of this, I don't think of communion as something that's just like, okay, it's this Sunday deal where we, where we peel off a couple plastic lids, uh, eat something that tastes like poop and, uh, well, it doesn't taste like anything actually. It's kind of gross, a little rice cracker. It's kind of like a flavorless weirdo thing. And then we drink some grape juice. Like to me, just like Paul is saying, don't just, you know, flippantly share a meal and, and disregard Christ, uh, because that. That isn't okay. To me, to me, I believe we can run the same risk when we're when on Sunday morning. Now, I'm not saying we are taking it that lightly Sunday morning. Don't misunderstand me. But just like you could run the risk at the dinner table breaking bread, not being in the awe and wonder of God's provision and blessing on our lives, we can run the same exact risk on Sunday morning with the mini Dixie cup and the peel-off lids. We could be just as flip, just as flippant about that right so we could blow that off just as easily so it didn't i guess the first thing that i'm wrestling with that i kind of want to encourage you to wrestle with is 
are, are we taking it seriously? Are we taking the breaking of bread seriously? Wherever it is, are we taking it seriously? Communion isn't relegated to a priest doing it for you, and it's not relegated to when your pastor says, oh, this is when we're doing it. But it's not the only time that you could take communion. Uh, my wife and I have done it at home. But to me, when I read what Jesus did, I think it, it sheds a different light on it. So let's read what he what he had going on in Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to read verses 17 through 30. Noting a note, headings like this, the traitor. Those were not in there. Those are like the translators kind of headings to give you an idea of what's about to take place. All right, so let's read these verses here. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare your Passover meal? Pause, Passover meal, meal. Everybody say meal. Spidey senses are tingling. That was not everybody. Say meal. Okay, they were sharing the Passover meal, right? Celebrating the Passover. What was the Passover? Back when Moses was getting everybody out of Egypt, and God was like, look, put the blood on the doorposts, and then the, the angel of death is going to come swooping through and kill the firstborn. Uh, if there's the blood on the posts, then it's going to pass over you, right? So, so there's this Passover festival. So they're about to share that meal. This is a meal together. They're going to sit down and eat the Passover meal, right? Okay, so... Uh, Disciples said, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal? He, Jesus, said, enter the city, go up to a certain man and say, the teacher says, my time is near. And my, uh, I and my disciples plan to celebrate the Passover meal at your house. The disciples followed Jesus' instructions to the letter and prepared the Passover meal. After sunset, he and the twelve were sitting around the table. During the meal, he said, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you is going to hand me over to the conspirators. They were stunned and they began to ask one another, uh, one after another, it isn't me, is it, Master? Jesus said, the one who hands me over is someone I eat with daily, one who passes me food at the table. In one sense, the Son of Man is entering into a way of treachery, well marked by the scriptures. No surprises here. In another sense, that man who turns him in turns traitor to the Son of Man. Better never to have been born than to do this. Ooh, now this, by the way, uh, oh, and then it says, then Judas, already turned traitor, said, it isn't me, is it, Rabbi? Jesus said, don't play games with me, Judas. Uh, and that's how the message translates. I, for those of you that don't typically read the message, I'm going to flip over to the NIV for you for just one second here. And so Judas, the one who had betrayed him, said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And then Jesus answered, you have said so. So basically, Jesus was saying to him, which I love the way the message translates it, Jesus was basically saying, come on, bro. Don't play games, right? I mean, you know it was you. Okay, but anyways, verse 26. During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you, this is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. I'll not be drinking wine from this cup again until that day when I drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. They sang a hymn and went directly to Mount Olives. Now, this is pretty crazy um, for a moment here. I just want to touch on a couple things. Verse 26, during the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread and broke it. Okay, so they got a Passover meal. Jesus has a blessing over it. He breaks the bread, passes it around. So this was a this was the Passover meal, a meal uh, during a holy time of remembrance. So the way we do it to remember Jesus Jesus was actually doing this, having this meal, in remembrance of God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. And now we do it to remember God's deliverance of his people, us, from hell, right? Like, 
Jesus, our Savior. That's why we take communion. That's why we do this. It is not not locked down to only the first Sunday of the month or the second Sunday of the month or on Sundays only. Like this is every time we break bread and share a meal, we can be doing it in memory of him, right? Dinner time with Jesus. We, we, we've got, you know, dinner time, supper time, prayers, dinner time, prayers. Pastor Eddie shared something. God, I love Pastor Eddie, by the way. He's, he's awesome. He's uh, one of the pastors at Life Church. He's so amazing to learn from. Like it, you talk about a guy with so much knowledge in God's word and, and just uh, such a beautiful way of delivering God's message. But he was talking about a time when he was growing up uh, and he was in church and one of the ushers came up to say the prayer over the offering. And he said like the dinner time prayer, like, you know, like whatever, like, uh, you know, uh, God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for this food kind of prayer. And he was like, man, if all you know is a summertime prayer, you're in trouble. And I thought it was so great because here's the reality. I grew up right uh, with my grandma um, who would always do God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. Right. So here's the thing. When we sit down and we share a meal. All right. And this I want to encourage you guys with this. When you sit down to share a meal with someone. When you sit down to break bread with your brothers and sisters in the faith, whether you're going to to Maison San Pedro here in Sparta, Tennessee, or you're going to uh, uh, McDonald's, uh, you're putting horrible things in your body, you definitely should pray over that meal. Uh, or whether you're sitting down at McDonald's or, or a fast food restaurant or whatever, but when you're sharing a meal with your brothers and sisters in faith, there is an opportunity to be in awe and wonder of what what Jesus has done for us. There's a moment and an opportunity in that. And one could argue we could be in these moments every day, but we can, we can say, you know what, man, what uh, the fact that we get to sit and gather together because of God's goodness, where we can gather together with brothers and sisters in the faith, with our faith family, and we can break bread together. Man, that's an occasion to say, man, God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his body that was broken. Thank you for the blood that was spilled. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done, Jesus. Right? Here's the thing. Celebrating communion doesn't have to look and feel a specific ritual way. A guy doesn't have to be in a robe. He doesn't need a fancy sash. You don't need to drink out of a particular cup and have it wiped. And and one of the things that if, if you want to, if you want proof that it has become ritualistic, all you have to do is look at what happened during COVID, right? If, if people truly believed that the bread became Jesus' flesh, then COVID couldn't have affected it. So there would have been no need to stop physically just breaking bread up for everybody to come up and grab a piece. If, if and listen, I'm not trying to knock on my Catholic friends, but I think we should always, we should always wrestle with some of these things, okay? We should. To ask ourselves, why do I believe what do I believe, right? Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I do what I do? And and so, Catholic brothers and sisters, don't take this as a knock, but I, I want to challenge you to wrestle with, if you truly believed that the wine turned into the blood of Jesus, like literally his blood, his perfect, pure, undamageable blood, and if your priest actually believed that, then they wouldn't have stopped doing communion from the cup that you would drink from. At least the Catholic churches I've been to in the past, you know, there's a cup and, and they're literally, you know, you're drinking, they'd wipe and turn the cup, right? And But during COVID, all that stopped because people were afraid of spreading COVID. It's like, wait a minute, if that's Jesus' perfect body and blood and it really transfigures into that, then I'm putting perfection in me. I can't get sick, right? 
I think you get where I'm going with that. Sometimes we turn things into such a ritual that we forget what it's supposed to be about. You know, when the, when the Hebrew people were wandering for 40 years, lost, right? To them, they were lost. They weren't really lost. God had them. But when they were wandering, God provided them with manna from heaven. Just bread fell out of the sky or the, you know, the stuff to make, like, it was amazing. And they go, we don't have any meat. God said, oh, you're going to have meat. He gave him so much meat, it made him sick. God is the ultimate provider, right? And so to me, when I read about Jesus saying, hey, as they're celebrating the Passover meal, as they're, as they're sitting down to eat a meal and remember God bringing his people out of captivity in Egypt, out of slavery, as Jesus was doing that, to share a meal. And I think about all the times that God has delivered for his people, not only delivered them from things, but delivered things for them. I think, shouldn't we celebrate like this every time we share a meal, every time we break bread, shouldn't we remember him? Every time we, we sit down to a meal with our family and friends, shouldn't we go, thank you, God, for providing like you did for your people in the wilderness, you do for us today. Like you, like you did when you brought your people out of captivity in Egypt. Like you did when you brought us out of the captivity of sin through Christ on the cross. You always provide, God. And in this meal, we remember you. Shouldn't we? See, communion to me, is more than a wafer and a juice drink on a Sunday when the pastors say it's time for communion. Those moments matter too, by the way. There's nothing wrong with those moments. Those are beautiful and great, and those are moments to celebrate as well. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. See, one of the most challenging things being a Christian today, we were talking about this in our small group, and Dara and I were talking about this, but we have God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Yet, on a day-to-day -day basis, we're looking for encounters with God like God's not already right here, right now. We think that th th there's a holy moment, like if we, when we do the wafer and the juice, this is a holy moment. And this God's presence is here. Can you feel it? God's presence is here right now. Can you feel it? You know what? Sometimes you can't feel it. But that doesn't make God any less there for you. See, sometimes we forget that the, the coffee that we have in the morning came from a plant. Well, all the plants are provided by God. The water that we get to drink, that's provided by God. The lights we have, the internet that we have, all of these things are because God created humanity and created the earth and gave us a way for these things to come into fruition. And every bit of this, we owe to him. So when we take a drink from the cup, from a cup, shouldn't we remember him? You might say, well, Matt, geez, oh, Pete, every time I take a drink at Starbucks or have a Diet Coke, you're expecting me to stop and be in awe of God? I'm not expecting anything out of you. You're not accountable to me. I'm expecting out of me to do better. I'm expecting me to give God glory. I'm expecting me to give credit where credit is due. And as I wrestle with these scriptures, that's what I feel like God's word is reminding me is every time I break bread, I should be in awe of God's provision. 
every time I sit down to a meal with friends and family, I should look around and go, wow, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me so that I could experience this life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me so that I have the opportunity to tell people about your love and God's mercy. That's what these scriptures say to me. I'm not telling you you've got to do anything. But what I want to do is challenge you to say, do you live in the awe and wonder of your creator? Do you live in a moment where you go, God, I'm here and I exist because you've got a purpose for me. And I don't even get it yet, but man, I want to know. Do we take the time to be in the wonder of God when we break bread and drink from a cup? Or is it just part of our daily routine? Oh, I got to eat 1,500 calories a day. I got to keep my calorie count under. Has our, has our breaking of bread and our drinking of the cup become purely measuring carbs and calories? Or are we in awe of the provider of all of it? That's what I'm wrestling with. And I hope you will too. Listen, my friends, Jesus, he shared a meal, not just with those who truly did still love him, but when he broke bread at that last supper, he broke bread with his betrayer. And he knew what was going to go down. He knew Judas betrayed him. And it's interesting, and I digress, but we'll wrestle with Judas on a different Bible study live. But it is interesting that uh, Judas later, it says Judas, actually in the scripture, it says Judas repented. He returned the silver because he realized what he did was wrong. Jesus said, the one, who, one who's here tonight, who's having supper with me, is going to betray me. And for him, it would be better to have not been born. Now, a lot of people meet, assume that to mean... Uh, Hey, thank you, Scott. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the comment, too. Um, when a, a, a lot of times when we read uh, the scripture and Jesus saying, you know, the one who betrays me, it'd be better if he wasn't born. A lot of times we assume what he's saying is, which means Judas, boom, hellfire. And maybe it does. I don't know. But I know that Judas went and killed himself. And, uh, you know, one account says he hung himself. One says his you know, guts were spilled out. Some people, you know, try and harmonize those two things and say, you know, he hung himself and his guts spilled out. I, I don't know. You know, Judas took his own life because of the remorse that he felt, because he repented, because he regretted what he did, because he knows he screwed up, that he betrayed God's only son the, 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 who was there from the foundations of the universe. Oof. But I know that even though Jesus knew Judas betrayed him, he still broke bread with him. He still washed his feet, man. He washed his feet. The guy that was going to turn him over to have him whipped and crucified. Jesus washed his feet and shared a meal with him to remember God's deliverance of his people. I can't help but wonder if Jesus in that moment was like, I'm doing this so that this guy who betrays me can be delivered to. Mm. See, when we go into a time of communion, the Lord's Supper, I don't think it's time where we're supposed to go in and go, you know, let me count back through all my sins and how guilty and horrible I am. Jesus didn't say, do this and remember your suckiness. He didn't say, do this and remember how you've let me down. He didn't say, do this and remember all the times in your life that you've fallen short. He didn't say, do this and remember that you're a horrible sinner. He didn't say, do this and remember that you aren't worthy. Instead, he said, what words? He said, take 
eat. This is my body. Drink, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people. For what? For the forgiveness of sin. See, um, I was either Pastor Bobby or Pastor Eddie at uh, Life Church down here that we have the privilege and honor of going to and attending and being part of this local church family we love so much. Uh, I don't remember if it was Pastor Bobby or Pastor Eddie. I think it was Pastor Bobby said, Satan always wants you looking at your past. He wants you to look at everything behind you, all the mistakes, everything that you've done. God wants you to look at the future. God wants you to look at who he has created you to become and how he wants you to live. He doesn't want you dwelling in all your past failures. So in this moment of communion, don't go there to go, oh, let me recount whether or not I'm worthy of taking this. No, Jesus said to do it and remember him. When we break bread, let's remember that this is the new covenant. It's a reminder of the new covenant, this covenant that God is delivering us from our sins. And that is something to celebrate. Communion should be a moment of joy and celebration because God has delivered us from the hands of the enemy. Thanks to Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. Hey, thank you so much for joining me this Friday for Bible Study Live. And can I please just share one thing with you? If you would indulge me, my wife and I, our new book for this reason, How to Live in Ephesians 5 Marriage, is now available on Amazon.com. You can uh, download it uh, in digital or print format. I, if you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can get it for free. Um, how do you get a link to it? Well, you can go to Amazon and you can try and spell our last name, which that's a big pain in the butt. Or you can text the word love to 1-833-981-0002. Text the word love to the phone number 1-833-981-0002. Uh, standard messaging and data rate supply. I have to say that because if you hit, like pay for your text messages because you don't have unlimited, it will use a message going out and a message coming back. But if you text the word love to that phone number, it will send you a link so that you can just click it. It'll take you right to Amazon. You can get it on Kindle or paperback. It is available now. Uh, it's getting great reviews and uh, I hope you guys will check it out. I truly do. So text the word love to 833-91-0002 to get your copy. Listen, no matter where you're at in your walk with the Lord, you're just one moment away from walking a little bit closer with Jesus. So can I encourage you today? Man, be in the awe and wonder of God. May he bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. And may he just pour his favor all over your life. I love you guys. I appreciate you. And uh, whew, Monday, I'm going to be driving to Michigan. So Bible study live on Monday, just so you guys know. Uh, I'll be doing it on... I'll be doing it on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live. So if you're not uh, following me uh, on Facebook, you should. Uh, so go to facebook.com um, forward slash value driven coach. You can connect with me there, uh, link up with me there. Otherwise, it will end up uh, getting uploaded, I'm sure, uh, to YouTube. But just to be safe, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash value driven coach. Um, I'll be traveling all next week, heading uh, up to see some clients and prospects in Michigan into uh, very briefly see some friends and family. So uh, Bible study live will be going from my phone, probably from the Tesla uh, while I'm parked, of course, <laughs> for safety reasons. So connect with me on Facebook to make sure you don't miss out on Bible study live. Listen, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, love you guys. Now go out there and make your day and hopefully someone else's amazing. Ooh, ah.